0: Welkom, ek gaan in Afrikaans project vandaag. Die jimmelse taal. <laughs> ok. Thank you to my wife, I can speak the heavenly language. <laughs> when I grew up, we only spoke English. And uh, my father always said, that Afrikaans is Mickey Mouse language. He was an Englishman from... Uh, you know, so, um, and then when I got married, then, instead of speaking English at home, I converted to Afrikaans. So we actually speak Afrikaans at home, and um, while I preach in English. So, uh, I speak Afrikaans with my kids, and, and uh, yeah, so in the beginning, the autocorrect was working very hard, right? Uh, that's obviously all the women that are teachers. They are autocorrects. Right, anyway. So, it's uh, good to be here this morning with you all. And, um, yeah, we're encouraged um, with all the things that the Lord is doing. And I'm also excited to share the word. I think there's, there's an openness here this morning and... Um, I don't know if it's because I'm not talking about money anymore. <laughs> you know, but anyway, right? But I I want to encourage you um, to give, to continuously give. It's a lifestyle, right? And and the, the principles of giving works anyway, right? It doesn't make, You can be in the desert; it will work. Right, um, so I and 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 so sometimes sometimes people can be in places where where they are less privileged, underdeveloped, uh, poverty stricken, in an area where there is not much opportunities. But um, if they apply the principles, it will work. Amen. So. Um, yeah, so today I've changed the name of the series. It's a new series, the Churches of Macedonia, right? Uh, tell the person next to you it's a new series, <laughs> right? Anyway, so let's go to Second um, Kings chapter twenty-three and verses um three or let well let's let's do chapter twenty two first and verses one and second kings chapter twenty two and verses one and two. So, Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah. Jedidah. Okay. Yeah, I'm so used to the, the Isaiahs and the Dadiahs <laughs> that you automatically go with the Dadiah, right? <laughs> Let me get understood a bit or Right. Maybe it's just because I'm feeling much better today. Thank you for all the praise. Uh, it's been a long time since I've l- laid two weeks in the bed. Right. Um, I thought I had a cold. My wife said, No, you were struggling with the sinus. So okay. And um I last had sinus when before I got married. Yeah. And uh, it's significant to me because bef- Before I got married I had sinus um, I never had sinus and then I moved to Walthus and then all of a sudden I started Getting this and uh, I had an, an Amazing, I don't know if I should say amazing But I had a huge Headache going from here right up It's not, not this week, see before I got Married, um, that's why I say It's so significant And and um I remember Having this huge headache and pain going from here, right here. Everything is closed. Lying on my bed. I'm single in my bachelor flat. I'm lying there on the bed and I start praising the Lord. I say, Lord, I praise you no matter what. Glorify you. I don't care. I bless your name. I can be in pain, but I'll glorify you. And as I was doing that, all of a sudden I heard a tick. tick. And immediately my headache just left. And the sinus opened. And from there, I never struggled with it again until two weeks ago. So, I don't know if I was under attack, but whatever. Thank you for all your praise. So, the um, his mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adahaya, of Bos- Boskath. Oh, it think Russian verses 2 um, and he did that which was right you know it was the one time we had Bible school I don't know what I'm thinking about we had Bible school and all of a sudden you know, you all know me I'm a, I'm a person that doesn't really laugh a lot but it was that day I was in the Bible school and all of a sudden I started laughing, I just couldn't stop and every time I started to preach I started laughing and then I'm like, okay, let's just relax And the minute I wanted to start preaching or teaching, sorry, teaching, I started laughing and I couldn't stop, you know. And it was just strange, you know. So, um, yeah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand and to the left. You know... Like, like Josiah, when we give our hearts to the Lord, if you truly give your heart to Jesus, you will find that, that your desire on the inside changes. Immediately you have a desire to serve the Lord. Immediately you have a desire to do what is right. Whereas before you never worried. But now, you are like, you are, no I can't do that. And you immediately have this heart thing. I want to do what is right in the sight of the Lord, and that's probably one of the reasons why, when you give your heart to the Lord, maybe sometimes we we struggle so much with guilt because we are doing some things that are maybe not right, and so the guilt gets you. But before that, it never got you. Can I say something there? That guilt is a sign. you didn't have that guilty conscience, um, there's something wrong. Right? Um, we must check. Right? But in any way, we all have the desire to do what is right. Okay. Right. And, and so, and that is very good. And we must all have the desire to do what is right. And to, in our conscience saying, serve the Lord. Right? But if we have a desire to do what is right and to serve the Lord without without linking that desire or connecting that desire to the Word of God, we can be serving God sincerely wrong. Right? So let's read chapter 23 and verses 3. Okay, this is now Josiah again. And and he now has, for the first time, he had a desire to serve the Lord, and he had a desire to do what is right. And for the first time, he found the book of the law, and he read it. And it was for him, when he read it, for the first time he realized the error of his ways. And it broke his heart, and he wept. Right? But... In chapter 23, he gathers everybody, and then he does this, and the king stood by a pillar. okay. So he got himself a pulpit and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments. So, we may have the desire to do what is right, but if we don't You know, devote ourselves to the Word. We can be serving the Lord sincerely, but in error. And that's why sometimes things don't work out the way they should. And to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and all their soul. To perform the words of the covenant, of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Now, yesterday in the apostolic Church, I shared with people, I said, you know, a Z- a Josiah was born in a time um, 16 generations later, where the things that were being done around him were things that were, were um, what's the word? It was normal to everybody. But they didn't know, but he didn't know that it was wrong. And that it was a sin. Until he read the book. And he had a heart to do what was right. But even though he had a heart to do what was right. He didn't even know that what was happening around him was wrong. Right? Within his kingdom. And so so, until he read the book. And then he discovered God's heart. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you. Yes you, we may have a desire to serve God and and that is excellent but as Paul said to the to about the about Israel in Romans chapter 10 they had a zeal for God a passion for God but not according to knowledge right and so they were going about things the wrong way so what am i saying i'm saying this i'm saying our, our heart must be to do what is in the book. Right? Do not separate God from the book. Don't just serve God and not with the book. And that, that already in itself is an error because the enemy, Satan loves that. That is one of his main goals, is to get you to depart from the book so that he can tell you these things that are close to the book, right? And um, and so, our in 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 journeying into this message of the churches of Macedonia—that's the name of the series, the churches of Macedonia. Our desire must be to do what is in the book, right? Are you all with me? Tell the person next to you, do what is in the book. Okay. If there's no one next to you. Go like this, do what's in the book. <laughs> right. Okay. So, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. Okay. I'm not talking about giving, even though we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And And Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he wants them to know the grace of God that is on the churches of Macedonia. So impressed by by those churches that he said, I want you to know about them, what they do, how the grace is at work, right? And he says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So it didn't matter how much resistance or adversity or challenges they faced, they somehow had this ability to still have joy, still have peace, still have, you know, um, getting up. No depression, no sorrow. There was just this amazing abundance of joy that gave them strength, right? And there was no desire to say, ugh, oh, let's just finish with this Jesus thing and let's go back to the world, you know, because look how we are suffering and how difficult it is. But no, they, they somehow seemed to have a great joy. And then on top of that, in their deep poverty or in their lack, they were still, they were bigger givers then the Corinthian church, who was a well-off church, right? Uh, let's say better off financially and materially than they were, and they were bigger givers than the Corinthian church. And so, um, this church became an example, um, a, a sample. You know, they became someone that that Paul could use, to use as an example. Okay, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 6. So, in in, um, searching out the churches of Macedonia, and the churches of Macedonia um, is the Thessalonians and the Philippians. So when you read the book of Thessalonians, you are reading about the church of Macedonia. It's like saying the churches in Namibia, right? The churches of Macedonia. So, and then there's the church to Bay and the church to Swakop, but they are all still in Namibia. So Thessalonians and, and the Philippians are in Macedonia. And so when Paul is speaking about the churches of Macedonia, he's speaking about these churches, the Thessalonians and the Philippians. And so, as the Holy Spirit led me to go and read the Thessalonians, the, the book, and the, and the book of Philippians, I began to see the things that the Holy Spirit wanted me to see, right? And watch here what it says, when Paul is speaking and is writing to the Thessalonians. He says, you became followers of us and of the Lord, Right? Having received the word in much affliction, right, and with joy of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing Paul says about this church is that you are followers of us, right, and, and, and of the Lord. And, and it was, and it's actually something that they were doing. It was not something that he needed to tell them to do. It was not something he needed to um, instruct them and teach them. He actually just said, "You became followers of us, right?" And and so, in in discovering and finding out, how did the how did this church or these churches of Macedonia walk so in the grace of our Lord Jesus, right? That they defied their natural circumstances or environments, and were still able to go beyond them, right? And, and how did they come to walk in this grace? And I, we, as we did in the spirit of poverty, I told you that one of the, the keys that they did was that they were givers, and they were givers of grace. And the reason we give grace is so that we unlock the grace to give that is within us, and when we do that, that grace can increase and enlarge. So Auntie Sophie actually should not stop giving. You know? You get one breakthrough, that's what happens with us. We get one breakthrough and then we chill. Alright. Okay? No, keep giving, right? Keep giving. Keep giving. Keep doing that. Right? And and, and as you do that, that grace degree give increases. And and so the the key in the grace of giving is the consistency in it, right? Are you all with me? So that was one of the things that they did. But the the other thing that I discovered about the churches of Macedonia was their amazing ability ability to follow their leaders. Right? Tell the person next to you, follow your leader. Paul Paul here says. No one had to teach you that no one had to instruct you. you just became followers right and and then he goes on in verses verses seven okay or, or just go back to verses six, it says, "You became followers us of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit now remember. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 says that in the great trial of affliction, there was this abundance of joy, right? And so, the key, one of the keys to their abundance of joy was their ability to follow their leaders and to receive the word in the difficulty. What we many times do in our difficulties, that's the least thing you want to do you don't want to listen to the word when you are going through your poverty you don't want to listen about giving when you are going through your your struggle with submission you don't want to hear about that message right but the the power the grace grace is power right when paul said to when paul said in second corinthians i think it is chapter 12 where he said i had a thorn in my flesh and I sought the Lord. How many times? Three times. And I said, Lord, take this thorn away. What's For what no Right? And, and he said, and the Lord answered me and said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, I've already put it inside of you. Don't look to me. Look to what I gave you. Work the grace inside of you. Because that grace will meet the deficiency. Right, That grace is the sufficiency that will become the power that will take away the weakness that you have. Right, So look to what is inward, inside. Right, And as I said to you, this is the way that the Lord works. The Lord, the Lord works like this. He, he puts it into you already. Um, and that's why I have this desire to go back to the doctrine of Christ. I want to show you how He took away your sin. Well, I want to, I want to emphasize that. So it's not just, um, as I said last week, if Natalie offends me, then I say, Natalie, I forgive you. That that's not the power of His forgiveness. When Jesus forgives, He take away sin. Right? That's the power of what happened on the cross. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. When He forgave you, He took it away from your inner man. Right? Powerful thing. And, um, and so, what He did is, He finished the work inside of you, and the grace is there, and that grace inside of you must be worked by you. And so what... What he does is he uses the Word of God, the preaching of God's Word, to stir you and make you to see the things, right, that is already there that you must function in. So their ability to have this abundance of joy in great trial is because of their consistency in following their leaders and receiving the Word consistently. Right? I I can attest to that. That is like as long as I'm in the word, doesn't matter what's happening around me, that word somehow keeps me in peace. Right? That word somehow keeps me has the ability to keep my mind off the things that are around me that that can bring me down. And I mean think just think about it. Just think about it. The whole reason you are down is because you're thinking. Just think about the word then. And you'll get your mind off your troubles. And so they receive the word in much affliction. When you are in your affliction, it's not the time to decrease in the word. It's time to increase in the word. I wish we could talk about spiritual warfare also. There's so many things. Right? Right? That the warfare, the the war, the way that we do warfare is, is um. Is perhaps sometimes too foreign from the Bible, right? Because when you think about when the Bible says and put on the belt of truth, okay, um, you know the word uh, belt of truth or. Gird your loins with the belt of truth, it says in the King James. Gird, put on the loins. The, you know what the loins is? The place of procreative power. The place where you produce. Right? And it says, gird your loins, the place where you produce, with the belt of truth. Belt speaks of, you put a belt not to keep it loose and around, to fasten things right to keep on brook up right and whatever it is to fasten things the belt of truth so the the in the book of peter it says this gird the loins of your mind in other words where is this loin this place of procreative power it's it's a, there's a place in your mind where you produce things. If you remember the book of James, it says, uh, there's the, about temptation, when the, when the lust has conceived, and then it brings forth, sin and sin brings forth, death, right? In other words, there's a place of conception. And the lions, the, the lions is the mind, there's a place in your mind, Right? And so, when he says "gird the loins," your loins with the belt of truth is because there it's figurative of a place, right? There is no literal shield, right? And and so, what happens is, is that is that that loins, the place in your mind that produces, must be filled with the word. Remember, this is spiritual warfare, the armor of God. Gird your loins with the belt of truth. Your mind must be filled with truth, and the truth that you receive must be fastened. It's not a casual word I say Fasten it, stand on it, fill it, right so that you can produce the word. And so when you are in spiritual warfare, get into the word. When you are in battles, get into the Word. Because the the warfare that you are experiencing, because you are experiencing many things that are going through your mind. And so we don't understand the power of the Word when we are engaging in warfare. Right? Are you all with me? Look what they did. They became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. That's why these people were like that. Because their affliction and their trials did not stop them from being in the Word, from receiving the Word. Amen? Amen. The other person next you, don't stop with the Word. Now you can imagine in the book of Acts, daily, breaking bread from house to house, Work ook werk. Daily in the Word. You, you understand? That devotion to doctrine. Right? So, let's read the next verse. I, I didn't plan to say that. Um, 7. So that you became examples. King Jesus' examples to, to all that believe in Macedonia and are. Kia, so so this word example or ensample is a Greek for tupos. In other words, they became a blueprint. They became a model. They became a pattern. They became, you know, uh, just an example for other churches that Paul would now use this church to say, Hey, check this church out. Check what they're doing. Look how they are. And, um, and like I said, I never thought I would be, I would end up here. That's the way of the Spirit. You start somewhere, you end up where you were not expecting yourself to end up. And, and so they became examples, a model, uh, for other churches to follow in their way. And, and so as they were examples, um, in in verses eight it goes on to say, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, uh, but also in every place your faith to God would be spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. So there was there was such an example that the word sounded out from them. All and the word sounded out there means to echo, right? To uh, resound or reverberate. In other words, they were not creating a different sound. They were simply what they were following, and who they were following, and because of who they were following, they then became. Uh, an example, a model of what they were following, and so the sound that they were releasing was only of that which they followed and heard right and and so this this sounded out right that people would hear of them, that Paul would use them as an example and so on and and um, and so what we have today is that in our modern day culture and our Facebook and our YouTube and our God channels and our tbNs and our all these things, we have this we have this um, this thing now where we are able to pick and choose who we want to listen to right and as Paul said to Timothy people having itching ears you know itching ears is Krapa bigi, da, krapa Right? And see what fits your taste. Right? And so, you you will not choose something that is difficult for you to hear. You would rather choose something that would more agree with where your stance already is, or what you are struggling with. So, a simple example, if you are struggling with submission, you would And somebody comes along on Facebook or whatever and he says, you know what, there is no such things in the Bible as submission and that we should have leaders and, and this, you know, and says all these type of things, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Call no man father, right? Yes. See, these people that are teaching fathering this, see here what Jesus said. Jesus said it. Call no man father, right? And then we're like, we disqualify from that, um, this whole teaching of saying uh, we have spiritual fathers, or fathers in the faith, men who are fathers in the churches, and we use that to disqualify things. But, um, Jesus said, no man. So, if you if you, before we take it into the context, if you took it out of its context, So if you take just the verse out of its context and use just the verse, Jesus said, no man. So, and I'm listening to a man talk who's a father to his children. And he's saying, Jesus said, call no man your father. Then that includes the natural father because that's no man. Or do we do not understand no man? No man is all man. Right? So then... So then my children shouldn't call me Papa. Your children shouldn't call you Father, Daddy. Because call no man Father. Right? But rather the context was in his day. He was saying that those that are leading, they they are not correct, they are not right. Don't call them your Father. Right? Do you understand? It makes a difference when it's in the context. But that's not my focus. So what I'm saying is is that in our day today, it's easy to choose who we want to listen to. But when the Holy Spirit sends you to a place, and this is why I say we can have a zeal for God and a desire to serve God and to do what is in His right. But if we don't bring the Word to the place of serving Him, as Josiah said, we covenant to follow the Lord and to keep His commandments. Yeah, we follow the Lord, but we also keep His commandments, right? And so, it's not enough to just have a zeal and a passion, right? You must also have a zeal for His Word. That is it. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of God's Word. If you are born again, there should be a desire for His Word, Have you ever seen a baby that doesn't want milk? Right? We should be hungry for the word. Right? It should be a natural thing in you. Jesus said, if you love me, do my commandments. The proof of your love for me is that you obey my commandments. Right? So, the and so, what I'm saying is, what I discovered about this church, is that they were followers of leaders. Right? And, and today, it's, it's, become, it's become a thing that is being challenged, criticized, trying to be removed, disqualified. Look... Even if people make mistakes, even if leaders make mistakes and fall, it will not remove this idea of following leaders. Right? Even if your natural father disappointed you, um, messed up your whole life, I'm telling you, one day you're going to get married and you're going to have a child and you're going to become a father because it doesn't take away the order. It doesn't take away the order. The order remains. And, and our ability to, to, um, to grow in grace is not only by the grace that we have already received. It's also by the grace that is being dispensed to us through those who have a grace that we do not have. Right? As I said to you before, there are different kinds of graces. Right? There is not only one kind of grace. And, and that's why we saw it even in the spirit of poverty. There is the grace to give, which is a different grace. That's not the grace of salvation that brought to you salvation, which you don't work for, which you don't do anything. But in this grace to give, you have to labor in the grace. You have to give, right, to make it work. But that's a different kind of grace. There is the grace of apostles. There is the grace of Prophets, pastors, and evangelists, and teachers—these are different kinds of graces. These are graces that you do not have, right? And and so, um, if we will not participate in that grace, if we are not—what's the word? If we are not a, if we are not able to have this posture of humility to be able to follow. You can't receive word if you can't receive the one who gives the word. And you can't receive the word if you are if you are in your heart rising up against the one who is bringing the word. You can't receive the word, right? Because there's a posture you must have to receive the word. Right? So these people were people who were followers of leaders, right? And so what Paul is saying is we are not supposed, we are not firstly supposed to be followers of our brothers and sisters who, who just gave their hearts to the Lord or to somebody who's, we are to be followers of our leaders, right? Tell the person next to you, follow your leader, right? Because the chance the chance that you would get offended, okay, say for example, like in our case, maybe you, we like, we don't get chance to spend time together, but you spend time with a lot of other people in the family. So they would offend you long before I offend you. Unless I offended you in my preaching. They could offend you because, like you, they are also working out their salvation. Like you, they're also broken and getting healed from things. Right? Are you understanding? So, the the thing is, follow your leader. Right? Follow the one that God has placed as the leader. Right? Okay? So, please pray for me as Paya Verdi. Okay? And pray for your leaders because it's a responsibility to be an example for the people. Right? Are you all, you're all with me? So, and... And um, let, let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. So, if you remember, I told you that the Lord laid First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 upon our heart that we must become this. And um, I didn't know that the spirit of poverty would lead me here, right? So, the Lord is answering a question. I told us, don't work. Let's just believe for it. So yeah, the Holy Spirit is leading us into it. So first Peter chapter five, verse one to three, it it says there, The elders who are among you I exhort, who I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So Peter is writing, and Peter says I 'm um, encouraging the elders, and I am also an elder. Now Peter is an apostle as well, but he 's also an elder, right? So in other words, he 's also someone that's giving leadership, possibly to a local church where he, he has a base. Then verses two verses two: "Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly see it's grace. Remember what's grace? Freely. Not forced. People are out of their own desire to serve the Lord. They are looking after other people. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Next verse. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. That word example is, is the Greek word tupos, which means model, right? Which means an example, which means a pattern, um, a blueprint. I think somewhere I got this um, definition for it. Um, let me just see. But it basically means to, to be a pattern and to be an example, right? Um, and yeah it means it means a die you know like like a a die when you die something and to also struck that is a stamp and a scar Uh, a sample that is a model for imitation so as leaders as my responsibility as a leader and those who are leaders, our responsibility is to be a, an example, a sample, right? For, uh, that can be imitated, right? That, we, that, that the rest of the house or the rest of the people can say, we can imitate this sample. We can follow this sample, this example. The word follow means to imitate to mimic but you are not imitating as I said before the personality of the person the dress code of the person but you are for all the the things that they naturally as a person likes you know uh, you know like you don't find me going to the beach uh, you know, I don't like fishing you know but there are some of you that love fishing and praise the error continue with your fishing But, I I maybe don't like that. Uh, Now you are not to mimic, ah, okay, I shouldn't like fishing. I know. But the mimic is, what tupos, what sample, are they bringing to us, that we are to follow, imitate, that tupos is Christ. Is Christ. Firstly, right? It's firstly, Christ, so an elder or the apostles or leaders are to be the are to be the, the the sample of that which people are also to become. So when Paul said when Paul said in one Thessalonians chapter one verse six, he said, "You became followers of us." And then in verse 7 says, And you became examples, a tupos, a sample for others. Right? That sample was then Christ, because the sample and the model that is in them is the model that they followed or mimicked in their leaders. Because their leaders are also an example, a tupos, a model, a sample, a pattern, so that when they what they bring, they bring Christ. So I say, firstly, it's Christ. There are other things. For example, um, be a, Paul says, be a pattern. I think if I I, I got it here somewhere. Yeah, uh, Titus chapter two, verses seven. Titus chapter two and verses seven. So it's not just with Christ; it's also in the way that we. Present the word or understand. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, right? Show the people a pattern. Show the people the way. Show the people, if you're going to teach them about giving, show them the model, the pattern that you give. If you're going to tell them you can trust the Lord, show them that, that you can trust the Lord. Show bring that pattern. Don't tell them to give but you don't give. Don't tell them to tie, but you don't tie. Don't tell them to do these things, but it's not there. You're right? Be a pattern, be an example. Show it to them. Bring the sample. Right? And he says, but it's not only in Christ or good works, but it's also in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. So even in the doctrine, there is a pattern, a model, a tupos to be shown, right? So if you are following your leader, you will later on, you will, you will find that you will have the same kind of pattern of speaking, way of speaking, that doesn't take away your, your uniqueness and so on. But we can hear the sound is the same, right? Okay? So you have heard different preachers here and you know that we all preach differently, right? And Okay, we all have different... Oh, uh, what's it? Personalities that come to it, to the preaching, but you can hear the sound, right? So, many times people would say, many times people would chat to you, and if it's a pastor that knows me and so on, and as they talk to you, then they would, some, we've heard it before, then they say, do you, uh, where do you go to church? And they say, no, Pastor JP he say, oh, no, I can hear. You have say, right? But that's not because that's not because you are serious like me, and, you know, or, or whatever. It's because the sound of the word, right? The, 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 the pattern also in doctrine, right? In the, in the, also in the integrity and the reverence and the incorruptibility. So there's a two-pos, right? So as leaders, so as leaders, and so for me and facilitators, um, we have a responsibility to present a tupos, right? And that 2 is Christ, and to bring a pattern. So we can't talk about these things without also talking about, you know, us. We can't say you must just follow, but you also don't know what it is that a leader should be, that you should follow. So, as must know fair ni, right? You must also know what you should expect from us, Right? And so, the model, if if the Thessalonians became a model because they modeled what they saw. This is where Paul in the book of Philippians said to that church, The things you have heard, seen, and learned in me, and which I do, do them, and the God of peace shall be with you. So you've heard it, you've seen it, right? And so... Um, there is a pattern to the thing, right? And so he was saying to them, "Follow, imitate, imitate." Your work is to imitate your leaders, right? It's to imitate the leaders because because what we want to do is produce Christ, Christ. And last week Sunday, when I woke up during the night, um, the the earliest. Sunday morning, I told you I woke up with these words: "Tupos, Tupos." For the first time, I just heard "Tupos," and the second time, I woke up again and I heard "Tupos." And the the Lord said to me, "This that you are seeing is very important, very important, right?" So, the church of Thessal, the, of Maced, the churches of Macedonia, was not a church that was without leadership. Now, I have to say that because out there, on Facebook and wherever, depending upon who you are following, you know, especially in COVID. I was so irritated in COVID. I mean, some, they're talking against leaders and what and so on. Yeah, leaders make mistakes, but they're also good leaders. They are bad fathers and they're also good fathers. They are bad mothers and they are good mothers. You get bad bosses and you get good ones. So... It doesn't change the order. Alright? And so, um, I want you to get this into your mind, into your system, into the lawyers of your mind. So that you can produce, we can become the sample, right? There is no church without leadership. There isn't a church without leadership. It may start, perhaps, with a But somewhere along the line, who's arising to take the lead? Who is becoming a tupos amongst you that the others can follow your example? Who amongst that group is becoming an, a pattern of things that can show the others that are struggling with the word that, hey, this word works. They say, who amongst that group? But if there's nothing uh, like that happening, then I'm saying then that people are immature. Right? Or you have a measure of maturity, but you are not going to get fully developed. Because if nobody can be an example to you, then nobody is growing amongst you. Right? Are you with me? So, a church, that's why the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1, says, where Paul says, unto the church uh, that is in Philippi, unto the, and then he says, unto the saints, the bishops, and the deacons, with the deacons. With the bishops and the deacons. In other words, in this church, there was order. There were saints, there were bishops, and there were deacons. There was order, there was leadership. And this, these people knew how to follow their leaders. Are you all with me? Okay, tell the person next to you follow your leader first. And this is what Paul said to the to the Corinthians, the churches of Macedonia. They went far beyond what we expected. Not only did they give, but they you know they just went way beyond their giving. And not as we hope, they went further beyond that. They gave themselves to the Lord and they gave themselves to their leaders, to us, he said, in the will of God. There are boundaries to this thing. You know, it's not just blind following and, you know, that's why, I'm, that's why I must give you scriptures. I can't just talk. You no. Know, sometimes you, Listen to the, the people on, on wherever, on, on the live stream or wherever. Two, three verses and the rest, they're just talking. Right? So, we give you scripture so that you can search it yourself. Do the work of the Berenians. And see for yourself, but it is Right? Follow Leaders, so let's let's go to Romans chapter eight and verses twenty nine. So Romans chapter eight, verses twenty nine. Remember, the word "follow" means to. It's the classroom. The word follow means to imitate. And it means to mimic. What are you imitating? Christ. The? Who is the? The model, the blueprint. What is the elder and the leader bringing? He's bringing? Christ. The tupos. He says the tupos, the model. Who is the model? Christ. Right? So he says, for whom? He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, right? Uh, That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, the word predestinate, okay, without getting into the Greek words, it simply means just to determine the goal beforehand. In simple words, predestinate. Okay, I say that again. Predestinate det- it means to determine your goal, the goal of your life before you are born. Okay, the primary goal of your life before you are born, and and that goal is is not about heaven or hell um, I have to say this I don't know I don't know what uh, what you have heard in the past about predestination or have read um, there are some of us who've been years with the Lord and some of us have just come on the scene uh, it doesn't matter I just need to say that predestination is not about heaven and hell it is about your sonship in other words in other words God has predetermined that every person that is born he has a desire for them to be his son which obviously means that every person he is he does have a desire that every person should be saved but he has not predetermined that you must go to hell and I know and I say that I say that uh, on purpose because I know that there are teachings out there that some are predestinated to go to hell and some are predestinated to go to heaven. And if God wills it, what can you do? If he has determined it you to go to hell, then doesn't matter how good I love, it's what he decided, so let me go to hell, let me love hell now and go to hell. Right. Because what can I do about it? He has determined that beforehand. There is teachings like that. And I want to say, there's no way heaven and hell here. He's saying, He has determined beforehand that the goal is for you to be conformed, right? To the image of His Son. Every person here, that is sitting here, the the primary goal of your life is that God wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son. Right, are you all with me right to be that word conform means we fashioned like unto right to have the same form as another um, have the same inner essence and identity as the one to whom you must be conformed to right so Many times we will say, I don't know what's my purpose. Here you start here with this is your first and original and primary purpose. God created man to be his image and likeness in the earth. And that means that every person, every person should be his son, whether male or female. Sonship is not a gender focus, right? All of creation is groaning and travailing for the revealing of the sons. So that includes females, right? Because the word Sunday is not gender focused, right? And so every single person must be the 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 image, right, of God, right? The, the one who reveals God. This is why if you are the image of God, why do you go to the world to tell you how to function? Because you are not the image of the world. You are the image of God. Go look at Him. He'll tell you how you are to function. You are His image, not the image of the world. Not the image of an idol that you have. I am not to be your idol and to be worshipped. Right? But we are to be honored. Honored is a biblical thing. Alright? So, are you, you, if you don't, If you, you gotta understand the importance of what I'm saying. Right? If you, if you don't understand the importance, then it could be, you could feel I am wasting your Sunday. Right? But, this, it is, it is important to understand your primary, the primary goal of your life which ends up being an eternal thing, right? So, you should be conformed to the image of His Son, right? Of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, the word for firstborn, right? In English, uh, the Greek word is prototokos, which can also be translated as prototype. In other words, God's Son, Jesus Christ, is the prototype. Right? He is the prototype. It it also can be it also means the first of a new type. Firstborn. Right? The basis for a new design. A new design. In other words, he is the prototype, and when the apostle or the elder comes, or when someone comes into that place of apostleship and eldership, or being as an elder, a bishop, a leader, the two posts that he's bringing is Christ, the Son. So what happens is that as Christ is the prototype, the son, and the leader is developing within him the model, which is Christ, then those who imitate the leader are actually not imitating the leader, they are imitating Christ, because the leader has brought in himself the two-poster model, which is Christ. So it's a Christ-centered leadership. And the reason we have that is because what we have today is, is that we have people. They uh, they were what? How can I say? They were the biggest. I uh, use an example. One of the biggest drug traffickers. And now he gives his heart to the Lord and he has this amazing experience with Christ and now he becomes, now he starts talking about Jesus and sharing his testimony. That doesn't make you an immediate preacher. That doesn't make you a sample. An example. All you have is a testimony of what Jesus did about your life. You still need to grow and mature. But what we have is then that we make, take such people and we make them quickly leaders in the church, whom we must follow, and then you get shocked when you get closer to their life. And then you, and you get shocked because we haven't followed the due order of God. Are you all with me? What you need to get into your heart today is that there is no church without leaders. Right. The word church is not is not I don't know I don't always have the right what terminologies try and say it my own way. The word church is not a is, is, is not a can I say it an individualistic word. You know? It is a okay I say it like this, a group word. A corporate word. When you say church I am not a church. I am a member of the body of Christ. If I say family to you and all you are is a husband and a wife, then I would say you are not a family. You are just a married couple. Is that true? Family is father, mother, children. One child. Familia. Huh? You get gangsters. It's my familia, my friend. (laughs) Right? Family. The word church is that kind of word, like family. It is not an individualistic word. Live on your own. I am church. You are not church. Sorry. That's not church. Church is that kind of word where there's more than one. Where there is order. Right? Where there is that, that thing exists. There are leaders in the church. And I have to say that because I do, we don't want that thing to come in here. And we, in this house, must be an example of that. That is one of the things that we must be a sample of. That we have found in the word that there are leaders that need, that must be followed. And we don't agree with such teachings. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. We can't let these things slip. We must be an example of that. Right? And, and I'm excited about this because This has put in me a greater desire to follow and be more of an example of Christ than I was before. And so what we want is we're gonna, we must pray for each other. Pray for your leaders. Pray for me. Pray for your facilitators that, that God would develop in them more the tupos. So that we can have an example and a sample of Christ amongst us. So that the rest of us can see Christ and not just hear Him. Right? So that we can experience Him as well. And so that what is being produced is Christ in us. The hope of glory. Right? Now, I know Christ is in you. But Christ has to be formed also in you. Right? Uh, That is also a truth. Um, for example was Christ in Jesus? I'm going to ask it again was Christ in Jesus? then why does the Bible say the child grew in grace? (laughs) because it can be in you you have to grow in it Christ can be in you but you must grow in him Christ can be in you my he must take the form in you the form remember you are predestined to be conformed to take on the form of another the image of his son right so so the formation of things right and that's why this word uh, you know conform it you know it means to be pressed to be molded into shape right and that's where these difficulties come along when we understand that our primary goal is to be like him, like him. I give you a, a, a simple example. All right, a simple example. Let's go to First Peter chapter two. Verses eighteen. First Peter chapter two was eighteen. So be the, the, the model and the pattern, right? Uh, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Right? So be submissive. So this submission thing it doesn't only apply in the church, but also at your workspace. Right? Um, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Have you read that verse before? How many of you have good masters? Your boss will be work. Right? Okay, so now I won't ask how many of you are bad because let me go lots of hands up. But, you know, this is why I said last week, the reason why we sometimes cannot submit because we think that we need a good reason to do it. If you want a good reason, Jesus said it. That's your good reason. Remember, we are not a people that just want to do what is right, but we want to do what is right according to his word. And many times the reason why we cannot accomplish submission is because we first have to disqualify the person to whom we must submit to my makan work. This 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 verse says he's harsh. You know what harsh is? The other scripture will say is, another translation says he's evil. Right, you know what that is. He gaan Right, maybe he's even unfair in things. Right, remember I'm giving you the two posts, Christ, the the example. Right, so uh, next verse, verses nineteen. For this is commendable. Uh, What is commendable? If you submit to your masters, not only to the good, but also to the harsh, it's commendable. If because of conscience towards, right, one endures grief, pain, I wish we had the ISV. Uh, Reads it very nicely. The easy, the easy English. I say, i Sua. It says, it says, you make God happy when you submit to the evil masters while you are experiencing trouble and pain. You make God happy. You see, you are not. It's not always about your happiness. It's about your transformation into Christ. It's not always about your happiness. Happiness, if you are if you are unhappy in a case like that, that is not the sign that it's not God's will. Because we'll see that it's actually his will. That you make him happy while you are experiencing grief and pain. Right? Um, Suffering wrongfully. You see, this is where we use all the reasons why we don't have to. Suffering wrongfully. I won't. But and you feel like you are, you are like you are serving God when you're doing that. You are not, because he says, that's not how I want you to do it, right? Verses 20. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and you are still suffering, when you do what God says, you don't evil for evil, revile, right? You spoke like this to me, I also speak like you show me no respect, I also won't show you any respect. Who crucified Jesus? Authorities. But when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. Do you want to please God? Now you have the example. This is what God has. But now what did God do? He gave us the sample. He gave us the prototype. So He brought the prototype. Next verse. 21. 21. For to this you were. Tell the person next to you, I found my calling. What is my calling? To be like Christ. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us a tupos. A model that we should follow in His steps. Calling. So, that is the conforming, pressing you into shape so that you can be the tupos. So it's not always a you can't always use happiness as a sign that you are where God wants you to be. Please. Because that is what we do. We use our emotions and our feelings sometimes to say, this boss talking like this to me, this can't be the will of God. The Lord doesn't want this for me. He loves me too much. He cannot want me to be like this. No. He he has predetermined the goal already. What is the goal? To be conformed to the image of my son. The model, the prototype. To do that, I must squeeze you into form. And the squeezing happens with the word, the doctrine, the following of the Holy Spirit and so on, but also through, also through the difficulty that I go through. That's why I don't really have this thing... Um, you I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, you know, but I'm like this guy, I, I can I there can be a lot of things going on difficult around me. I just go on. I just go on and you know, because I know that difficulties just kind of squeezes you and I just go on. I'm like ah, I want out of this thing and no you know, that type of thing. No. We just go on because we know that we have to go through. And we know that whatever we go through is going to work something in us. He has enlarged me in my distress, says David. He transforms me through my difficulties. If I follow the prescribed way, and if my goal is my transformation in Christ to be conformed. You see, your goal, the goal of your life, must to be, be like Him. Right? The goal of your life is to be like Him. When you understand that, then you understand your calling. Your calling is to be His, is to be, walk as a son. Right? This is just one example that I'm showing you of a... A two-pause and so on. Now all those things, are going through those type of things, I have gone through it. You might not see me go through that now because I had that in my life, right? And um, and so I knew how to praise him, thank him. If I tell you, say thank you, Jesus, for your difficulties, then I can tell you, I did that. I did it. I know how to praise him. Thank you, not complain for what I'm going through. Right? Are you all with me? We are called. He left us an example, a tupos, right? And so so if when you see that, so I want you to, 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 to understand that. So many times in your workspace you're always like if you're going through a difficult thing it's like a valley. Because the Lord only has the best for me. Yeah, He does. But firstly, transformation. Transformation. That's why, that's why I sometimes say to, I say to people, you know what, if you leave that work, because you haven't overcome that, if you leave that work, and you go to the other work, I, I give you a few months, you will go through the very same thing that you went through on the other side, and you're like, I left this one for greener grass, <laughs> only to find his brain grass. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? It's, so when that keeps happening, the, the, the goal is not your good job, the goal is your transformation. Your transformation. This model of leadership is a Christ centered leadership. The leader this is why Paul said, follow me as I do what? Follow. Paul didn't have the problems. The Thessalonian church or the and the Macedonian churches didn't have near the problems of the Corinthians. So, in this church, Paul didn't have to tell them follow him. In that church, in the Corinthian church, he had to tell them, follow me. And he said, I'm going to send you one of my sons, Timothy, so that he can teach you how a son follows his father. And he said to the Corinthian church, as my beloved sons, I warn you. Can can you see the... The model is, the whole leadership model is a Christ-centered model. So when we, when we say follow, we are not trying to be, I'm the main guy here. That's not what it is about. It's about Christ being formed in each person. And yes, sometimes it could be difficult. Difficult. And you have to learn to follow it. You have to learn to follow it regardless of the pressure and things you go through. Because that is how you follow Christ. Sometimes you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because this sheep was following the shepherd. And as he followed the shepherd, he found himself in the valley of the shadow of death. And He led me in the path of righteousness. For His name's sake, what am I doing in the valley of the shadow of death? Right? You understand? So, and in that space, you must learn to follow. Follow. Right? To follow. So, let's stand. I don't want to overlabor that point. Um... For us to be an example, we must firstly, as a house, we must learn to follow the leaders. Follow your father, yeah? Follow those leaders. Look for Christ. Follow the example of Christ. You know what's the beauty of such a model? If the man falls, it's okay. We were following Christ, not a man. That's the beauty. We were looking for Christ. That which was of Christ, was it gevolg? Okay, Lord, maybe you just replace the person and we following Christ. You understand? Right? That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit cannot lead you and so on. So, the mark of maturity is that we pursue Christ. Yes. Not materialism. Yes. Amen? They that are perfect, let them mind the same thing, writing to the Philippian church. So, my desire is that we would be the sample. That's my And the sample is a, is a, is a model of this order, but of Christ. That is what we want. We want Christ formed. And there would be no greater joy than seeing people more and more transform into the image of his son jesus christ that is the that is the honest desire your growth your increase your transformation Um, you know the bible says paul says every man's work will be tried by fire in other words the difficulty that you go through is the fire That is testing our work and labor in you. And so we have to allow you to go through your difficulties. Because that is the test of our labor in you. And the goal is Christ. And if you survive your fire. And come through your fire. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Meeting the sun in the fire and having your chains broken off you. Wow. That's a joy. You know, I find this in many times how Paul says, I want you to make it to the end so that I may have fruit when I meet my Lord. That's what we want. We want fruit. We don't want you back in the world. We want you getting stronger and stronger. And this is the way the Macedonian churches do, did it. Brothers and sisters, family, follow your leaders and refuse any other lie that is out there. Father, we pray. I pray, Father, for um, the formation of Christ. I pray that Christ will become more and more clearer to us. Um, And that we would more and more be um, or that the formation of Christ, even though He's in us, but He seeks to be formed in us so that we can put Him on and be clothed and manifest. And there are different ways that that can happen. But I pray, Father, that we would That this house that you would make us an example, a sample of how saints follow their leaders. And in following their leaders, they cut their way forward and become more and more a sample of Christ. I pray for our transformation. I pray for um, our zeal for Christ. I pray that we would pursue Him with everything. And Lord, us that are leaders in this house, Lord, increase the grace to pursue Christ. And open up our eyes that we may see Him. And shape us into His image that we may present Christ more and more amongst your family. This is my prayer, Father. I pray in agreement with Your will and I know that You will answer it. And I pray that the revelation of Christ would increase amongst us and it would be of such a degree that it would be Like the Ephesian church. Where they were so Christ centered in their doctrine. And in their explanation of him. So I pray Lord. I pray for this. I pray that you will truly allow us. And grant unto us by your spirit. Strengthen us in the inner man. Give us the ability to do what your word says. That we may be a sample. Not only as leaders, but as a household of faith. That from here, your word sounds out to other regions and across the borders. Because they hear of the faith of the saints here in Wolfish Bay. In Jesus name. Amen and Amen.